I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. You wanted more? Here's season four of The, the Connor, Connor and Smith, Smith Show. Another exciting edition. Wow, that's a great lead-in. Actually, this is an exciting edition. It is. This is this is an interview. If I want to put this in the palette of notes with a glass of champagne, this is going to give you notes of joy, notes of home, notes of um, country, notes of a, a favorite friend of ours. Yeah, get your champagne and french fries out. Um, and and please uh, give a warm welcome to Bly Both. Uh, we are. It's not even so much an interview as just like a quick catch up. It's so much fun. Catch up with the French fries. Catch up with the French fries. Um, we're gonna take a quick break and we will be right back. Hello. <gasps> did I make it? Did I do it? I think you did. God damn it. I figured out technology. <laughs> I'm Hi, sorry, Bly. There's like a lot of in um, my current Airbnb situation. So I apologize. I'm like trying to get to a room that's not as loud. You know that fun game? Oh, yeah. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Good. <laughs> um, um, welcome. Hi. How are you? Um, <clears throat> troubled, but I'm doing the best that I can, you know? <laughs> okay, we'll get to the troubled part. Um, so I'm sitting here with my co-host and husband, Matt Connor. Hey, 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 hey. Um, wait, I've met him a few times and I really dearly love him and miss him. How are you doing, Manny? I think you met the old me. What's the new you? The new me. Are you a Republican? <laughs> the new me has been sitting and cooking for two years. Okay, me as well. Me additionally as well. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, and we're also here with our producer, Ryan Halbrook. Hey, what's up, Ryan? Ryan, how are you? I haven't seen you in a million years. I know, it's been forever. Good how are you voice. doing? Are you still thriving? Um, are you still a Aquarius? Absolutely. Okay, I, didn't, I, I just threw out the first you know, astrological sign that came to my head. Well, you're, well, you were correct, because his birthday is Saturday. Oh, shit. What are you going to do? Big blowout? We're going to have a big blowout. Yeah, me, Matt, and Steven, just like we do every night. Yep. <laughs> you're we'll like, we're going to do it again. We're going to watch grumpy or old men. <laughs> okay, Ryan, also lovely to hear your voice. You too, you too. Thank you. How are you guys doing? What's going on? You're, you're, Did you guys know there was a global pandemic? I, I, I don't believe it. I don't either. I really don't. I mean, I'm not wearing masks. I'm not getting the vaccine. I'm not that kind of girl. I'm trying to, you know, make 18 babies with my Mormon husband on the farm, you know, so I'm just not putting any of that stuff in my body. So Tennessee, basically. Oh, currently where I am. Yeah. Super. Um, uh, ooh, what are the adjectives I'm going to use? Um different <laughs> um, where, where are you right now 
Memphis, Tennessee, baby. Yes, Graceland. Memphis. Is that where Graceland is? Yeah. Sure is. Uh, fun fact, I think Graceland is one of my favorite places I've ever been in my life because I realized that um, this is my second time going. I went like, you know, around the Christmas season um, in December. And um, I realized the best part about going to Graceland is like the like reverence that people have going. It's almost more fun to watch people who are excited about going to Graceland than actually going to Graceland. It's like a very people watching experience where you're like, wow, you are still super sad that Elvis is dead and it's been a long time. <laughs> it's a religious experience without a doubt. Have you been? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, a huge Elvis fan. Okay, I'm sorry. Now I'm shit talking all this. I apologize. What did what was your experience? Oh, I was I was young and it was just nice to be there and you know, see the room with what was it the leopard room? Oh, no, you're oh, uh, the jungle room. The jungle room, that's it. Mm. That's it. Everything felt like it had like a light film of semen on it. Did you feel <laughs> that, Ryan? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Me too. Me too. <laughs> So, so you're you're in Memphis right now doing a show. What tell us about the show? Uh, the show is a new jukebox country musical called Maybe All that's being produced uh, with many partners as theater is you know <laughs> currently being made with multiple cooks in the kitchen. Um, with uh, so Maybe All actually is um, the, a title of a Florida Georgia Line song. Who is a they are a very big, um, like contemporary country music, uh, band right now. And, uh, Brian Kelly mans the helm of the band. And, um, he's one of the producers of our show. Um, and, uh, with a New York producer and our current producer in Memphis. Um, and the show is, it's like, it's very, um, fairy tale is how I've described it to people. It's like, you know, you kind of know exactly what's going to happen you have an idea maybe if you've like watched a lot of Hallmark movies, I would say to kind of know where this musical is going to end. But um, so there's not a lot of like twists and turns in terms of the plot, but it's a really fun show to do because we're singing the gamut of everything from Dolly Parton to like Casey Musgraves. Like I sing, I think I sing 11 or 12 songs in the show um, so the gift is bleeding, <laughs> right? but we're doing the best we can. And, um, uh, but, but I will say like, they've done a really, they've been very conscientious about adding music from every single time period of country. So even though Florida Georgia line is more of a pop country band, there's everything else to kind of balance that out there's the johnny cash there's the dolly parton there's the um kenny chesney there's the the chicks like everything is really um they've done a really good job of like melding a book for a jukebox musical that kind of like touches on every version of country sound you know what i mean yeah um what what patsy songs do you have oh my god no, i'm sorry, sorry. Even... what dolly songs do you have maddie don't even say that because i i'm so mad i have none of the dolly songs and i'm so mad about it that isn't then the, they haven't they didn't Google you. Listen, all I want to ever be is Dolly Parton. Like if I could shrink five inches and uh like like not eat uh like carbs for four and a half years and get a boob job and become Dolly, I would. I would. But the the songs that 
are the Dolly songs in the show are all boy songs. Isn't that so rude? Oh, no. Yeah. Although um, I do like when a boy, I like when a, a male voice sings a Dolly Parton song because I do like the change in the vibe. That yeah. I will say. Are there any Patsy songs? There's Huh. You know, during the pandemic, um, every night when we crawled into bed. <laughs> I love um, crawl. <laughs> I would I would open up my big uh, Dolly Parton book that Stephen got me for Christmas that's now a year and a half old. And I would read like a couple of pages and go to bed thinking of Dolly Parton. Because she is the reason for any fucking season. Can I swear on this? Is oh, it yeah. Too late? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm just making sure. Fuck post. Yeah. Okay. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> um, yeah, um, that book is what? Song Teller is what it's called? Yeah. No, yeah. wait. Actually, Maddie, Palm bought that. My Palm, my husband bought that for me too. And it was literally like one of those things where it, it was the serendipitous timing of getting a gift when you didn't know you needed it. Did you feel that way? I felt like my parents in, in, informed me wrong because they had said that the feeling came from the King James. <laughs> and I wrong. got this book and was like, oh, no, this is the Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your parents were wrong, and I'm so sorry to tell you. But you know what? My parents were wrong, too. So that's okay. And that's okay. Bly, your, your family's uh, rather musical, isn't it? Yes, they are. And I think it's like an embarrassment for my some of my family members. Like my mom, literally today, I called her on her birthday, and she was like, ugh all of my poetry kids. And I was like, what do you mean? And she goes, well, all my kids, none of you graduated college. All of you do things creative. <laughs> and I was like, okay, um, well, we're all happy. So I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> wow. But yes, my youngest brother is currently a para. Um, that's his like side hustle um, at a school in Western Massachusetts. He's doing what I believe is the Lord's work. He's working with children who are neurodivergent and who have uh, different abilities. And um, he's so good at it. But his dream, you ready for this? I haven't told you guys this in a long time. Um, my youngest brother has been sober, I think, for five years. And his um, passion is our mushrooms. Mm. Not the ones that give you the hallucinogenic. Well, I don't know. I shouldn't say that. I don't know that. Um, not the hallucinogenic ones, but the ones that um, fill you up and make you feel good. And he um, grows a, a, a myriad of mushroom variants in a um, claw bathtub in his basement. Like lion's mane and correct cider seps or something like that. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, the ones that you're like, can I eat this? And yeah, it's like, yeah, I I started taking those mushroom supplements when I watched this documentary that changed my life about what we're all missing about the connection with mushrooms in our brain. Wait, is this the same documentary that tells you that mushrooms are all talking to each other? Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit, that fucked me up. I was not ready for that information. And now I'm just taking mushroom pills and talking to myself. And you're such and, a fun guy. <laughs> and how are the conversations going, out of curiosity? It's, it's okay until they all want to have a meeting. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, wait, you guys will love this. Somebody said this to me the other day. You know you're fucked when you go to a rehearsal for a theater show and they're instead of like the the like rehearsal room being set up regular to like run the show or work a scene, you know you're fucked when you show up and there's just a circle of chairs and people are like, sit down, we're gonna have a quick meeting. Oh no. Oh god. I was oh, like, god. 
Wait, am I not? That's not wrong, right? Like the minute you see a circle of chairs at a rehearsal, get the fuck out. Things yeah. are gonna go really bad, really yeah. bad. Did did the circle of the mushrooms make you think of that? Well, yes, it did. But also, I was recently diagnosed with ADHD, so I don't know. Everything is different now, you guys. You're, you're just like a living TikTok. <laughs> hey, I I'm don't gonna, have I'm... TikTok because I'm scared because I feel like if I go down that rabbit hole, I'll never come back. Yeah. Hey, Bly, I'm just going to throw this out there because we haven't had a lot of holistic or med medicinal people on our show. Yeah. But we're not, I will not reach out to your brother. But if you will mention to your brother, if he would like to like put anything <gasps> out there about what he knows about mushrooms, I would love, I might talk more than Steven, but I would love to talk about all of that because that really fascinates my little itty bitty soul. Wait, first of all, your soul is not itty bitty. And number two, he would love that because I think he, I mean, I know that I put him in the category of like my mom saying that we're all poetry kids and he probably wouldn't describe himself as such because he feels like what he does is science. Like he thinks his connection, and, and he's not wrong in my opinion, but he believes that his connection to discussing um, mushrooms, the benefits of mushrooms and the understanding of like growing them is a real deep connection to like, you know, botany and science. And I don't know, I, he, I think he would love that. If you want me to do that, I would love to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we, we're kind of serious on the podcast, but it's not a joke. So I would love to just talk about that because, um, I saw the movie. I started taking the mushrooms. Now I don't have any currently because I didn't, I didn't, I'm out right now, but um, <laughs> Ryan had, was working at mom's organic, organic yes. market. Yep. And so he became. Oh, I love moms. I miss moms. How's moms doing? It was, it was good. Yeah. I worked at the wellness department. So all the mushrooms were all the rage. Yeah, of course. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. And when you, when you start, understanding stuff like that, it kind of takes you on a different level about understanding just, you know, things in general in the world. But anyway. Yeah. I, I just have one more thing on mushrooms then we're moving Here we on. Go okay. Again. Um, <laughs> one more thing on mushrooms. <laughs> I got one more thing on mushrooms then we're moving on. Hey, you don't eat. So after we watch that documentary, there's a tree on the route that we walk the boys on. Yeah. There's a tree that uh, was damaged. And we watched... Um, over the course of several days, these mushroom, this mushroom rink that ring, not rink. Oh my God. Both uh, that, that sent out like a trail of other yeah. mushrooms to that tree. Oh my God. To communicate with that tree to I see like how it, it was. It was like a little pa a patient visit. Uh, that like, when you, when you like saw that and figured that out, were you freaked out or were you warmed like it's, what was the reaction oh warmed like yeah me was, too it was it's it's compassion in nature existing on a level that you don't think these things are just trees these things are just mushrooms but they actually are living things that communicate with each other like you know like viruses yeah Wait, but, oh boy okay is that the pivot because no. i'll go with you i don't want to but i will no um I, where i was going with your family and the musical family stuff is like uh where was your like ring of keys moment of music or, or was there just always music in your house? So it just, you came spontaneously through music because of your exposure and your family. Was it dad that started everything? Always dad. Yeah. My dad was, was um, my dad was a 
lifer um, uh, cameraman. So he started uh, originally um, in Eastern, a very, very small town in Kansas called Haven, Kansas, where they have, they're very proud because they have one uh, street light, uh, bless their hearts. And um, wow. a lot of, everyone in my dad's family is still in Haven except for him. And he, uh, you know, he was, you know, smart and very talented and he got into um, K-State um, and he was there for a year and a half. And the story goes, insofar as I remember and have been told, that he had told his dad that he was like undecided about his major at K-State, but he was actually there studying um, jazz trumpet. My dad was a really good trumpet player. Mm. And when my grandfather found out, he pulled all of the money. So my dad couldn't finish school. He tried for a while. He had a job at like a pizza place, uh, which he always describes as like, I don't know how much I worked. I tried really hard, but mostly I just ate food. And I was like, oh, my God, that that really re- I relate. Um, I am your daughter. <laughs> um, but he he left, you know, because he couldn't afford it anymore. And. He wanted to do something creative, but he didn't know what he could do outside of music. And there wasn't a lot of opportunity in Wichita, Kansas, surprise, surprise, to be a jazz trumpet player. (laughs) Um, So he sort of put a pin in being a trumpeter and sort of that world and things that he really cared about. And he uh, immersed himself into being a cameraman. He was working for a local channel in Wichita for a long time. The opportunity came up for him to work remotely um, or, to, or to work to, like on site in D.C. and be sort of like in that team. And he moved and he's the first and only person in his family to ever leave the whole state. He met my ma. They had sex, I guess, and got married. I don't know. I don't ask questions. Um, and <laughs> Anna. I definitely was raised by a parent who recognized the fact that he, I mean, he worked six days a week until I was in high school because, you know, as, as you guys know, being in the DC metropolitan area, like the news does not stop. I mean, the fuel of the DC, Maryland, Virginia area, whether we like it or not is the news. And my dad worked for, you know, this little Wichita channel. And then he got another job at CNN and then ABC and then ended up at PBS uh, at the news hour with Jim Lair. God rest his soul. Yes. Um, in Shirley Village. So he, you know, he he worked a really long time doing something creative that kind of like scratched the itch. Um, but he always loved music. And so for the one day a week, he was always home, not doing the news. We listened to everything. I mean, like, I always say, like, I begrudgingly listened to this channel on NPR called Stained Glass Bluegrass. Yes, I loved it. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it so much. Too. Like, sometimes for nostalgia, I'll just turn it on because I just love the harmonies. I love the, like, simplicity. I mean, I, I the, the one thing about religion that I have always globbed onto and I believe in is that singing is praising God twice. And like, man, sometimes you hear some of those voices and you're like, you have bought that idea hook, line and sinker. And I can hear it in the like tone and the quality and the excitement that you have doing this. And so like, uh, you know, from stained, stained glass, bluegrass to, uh, we listen to so much. Um, oh my God, Dolly, obviously like the grass is blue is an album that fucks my shit up every time I hear it I know every single word um uh, like Little Sparrow also are two big like seminal albums for me especially even just the way that I sing um 
And like, just my dad, like even not even just like country, you know, or bluegrass, like we listened to so much jazz, like Eva Cassidy, like my dad, that my, my dad gave me an Eva Cassidy uh, CD one Christmas and I didn't listen to it for two years. Then I remember one like random day I decided to play it, you know, like on a Saturday or something in high school. And I remember listening to the whole thing start to finish and going like, I would be so lucky if I could live long enough to make sound like that. Like just fucking, like he, he really did inform so much of the way that I sing. And I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky because I don't even think he knew how much of an impact he made, but it has, it's totally changed my life. I'm, I'm, the, the note that I get all the time in musical theater is that I don't sound like a musical theater singer. That's a constant note that I get. And I think it's because my dad really spent a lot of time immersing me consciously and subconsciously into a bunch of different sounds, you know? Does that make sense? Sure. That, is that stupid? I just talked for a long time. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's why you're here. No, I got a drink. I'm <laughs> um, fine. <laughs> so how did that translate that love of music and everything translate to theater then? I love applause. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's so stupid to say. I really love it. And like when you listen to an album, unless it's a live album and you know, you get that sort of feeling of being in the room with the person when they did it and like the the you know, the the little mess ups and also the brilliant bits that are never done again and then the applause at the end where people are like, ah, like you don't get that anywhere else but on stage. You don't get the like live reaction to the thing that you've done unless you're doing it live. Yeah. And doing uh singing just a song, especially if it's a really fantastic story, is like a little micro musical. Yes. Yeah. And like in my in my head always I I think that I think there's that you know as you guys both all know like there's that world behind like the, the science of, or like the art of like performing a song. But like, what do we always actually like about a performance? We like when somebody likes doing what they're doing. We like when we watch somebody enjoying and I don't know if respecting is the right word, but like, or, or maybe it's reveling, but we like when we watch somebody love the moment that they're also experiencing because it gives us freedom as an audience member to go, I'm going to come in with you. Do you love this moment? Me fucking too. Like kudos to you for like just giving over to it. And I think that, I think that there've been uh, a lot of moments where I realized as a young kid, like, oh, I can just do this in a longer uh, artistic form if I'm in a show. See, that's how I was when I saw Bob Ross. Yo, Bob. I was like, I was like, I don't think I can do this, but he really likes what he's doing and it <laughs> looks really good. <laughs> and he seems happy when he does it. Right. So if you recognize those other Bob Rosses doing their thing, then that, that's what they need to be doing. Maddie, everybody could find a little squirrel in the tree and it's not a mistake. It's just a choice. Yeah, it's only problems when you find the squirrel and, you know, six years into marriage, you find out it's a wolf. <laughs> and then actually you need to run. Then you got to shake the bush and rewrite the song. Wait, is this some like, is this some Southern Virginia stuff that you're giving me right now that I'm just, that I just, I'm too Northern to understand? No, we're just making up crap. But before you called, we, I'm reading a book called I Am Not Ashamed, the story of Barbara Payton. 
Who is Barbara Payton? Barbara Payton was an actress. And this is what the back of the book says. It says, today, right now, I live in a rat roach, their friends, infested apartment with not a bean to my name, and I drink too much rosé wine. <laughs> I don't like what the scales tell me. The little money I do accumulate to pay the rent comes from old residuals, poetry, and favors to men. I love the Negro race, and I will accept money only from Negroes. Does it all sound depressing to you? Queasy? Well, I'm not ashamed. I have hope. <laughs> Anyways, Stephen wants to turn this into a musical. <laughs> Wait, actually, can he? But can I make a light suggestion? Yeah. Can it be a 90 no? Can it be what? A 90 minute no intermission. Oh, yeah. That's, that's oh, all totes, we do. Oh, totes, oh, totes. oh but, thank God. But, but, I knew you guys would. I knew you would get it. I knew you'd understand. That's all we that. do. But anyways, it's, it's kind of a John Waters book in the sense that all of it is so outrageous. Wait, may I ask a quick question? What what, what era was she uh, born in and lived in? Um, she was born. I've got it right here. I'm in my my producer's telling me Gelman from um, Cafe. She was born in twenty seven. Mm, that was a good year. And died in sixty. She was an actress during the forties. She died in sixty eight. Oh wait, so she didn't have a long life. No, thirty nine years. Oy, why so, I mean, like, why so short? Um, I don't know, but Ryan had just said, you know what, while we're talking to Blog, we should probably ask her to start researching this because she might be the perfect person to play this part. I mean, fine. Like, I have nothing to do after uh, July of 2022. Do you guys have any free time? Let's fucking go. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's go. Uh, no, I, I, I found this book because, um, you know me, I'm a big John Waters fan. I know. And in one of his books, he lists off like some of his favorite things and it's just a rant. And this is one of them. And this book is one of them. And I was curious. And back when you know, like Kindles were like a bigger thing, you remember? Mm -hmm. um, I had a Kindle and I had this on the Kindle because the book was not in print anymore. I thought you said Kindle. Oh, so you only found it on the Kindle. Well, at first. And then I lost my Kindle on the train to New York City. So yeah. Yeah, is this a song? I lost my candle on the train to New York City. It's the, it's, it's the opening to the show. Okay, good. Yeah. So I then I, be. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, I've been getting, Matt, a lot of books over the pandemic. And um, it's I, I it popped into my head and I went, ah, I wonder if this ever came back into print. And there it was. <gasps> and it was not expensive um, because it used to be, like, if you wanted a print copy of this, it was like a mil trill dollars because it right. was long nobody print. was doing it yeah but now it's like a cheap new paperback and i just remember reading the first few chapters and just going i just can't believe this life she's sitting in a shack in a like solid gold chair typing on a typewriter while like rats and <laughs> rodents run around her feet and she was like the height of hollywood and now like living in Mexico, like turning tricks and she doesn't care. She's not ashamed of who she is. And it's and, just, yeah. No, Maybe. I'm just curious. So does uh, John Waters elaborate about why, I mean, obviously I understand the, the parallel because I know enough about like his style and fascination on like people and characters, but like, does he elaborate on like, what about this woman just sort of, uh, he was obsessed with do you get any I don't more of think that? so uh, no uh, although matt asserts that when you read 
her dialogue, it sounds like Divine is saying it. So I wonder. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Okay. That I makes wonder a lot of sense. if this book influenced some of the speeches Divine uh, had written for her. Um, okay, Bly, <clears throat> let's, sh let's uh, shake the um, extra sketch. Yeah. Okay. This Wait, but now I'm mad because I feel like this, we owe this woman money. Yeah. Well, you'll, Should we you'll Venmo see her? You, huh? Should we Venmo her? You'll find out. You'll you'll find out in the rough draft. But your ashes are <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Let me know. <laughs> yeah, you'll find it in the rough draft. We have to keep it all in the download. We can't let anyone know what the project's really about. Okay. Um, and because of COVID, I think our new uh, company is going to be called Parking Lot Players. <laughs> um, Wait. It's a Wait. And it's actually a pop up. Not. Maddie, what was the name of the um, production company that we had? Already been cast. <laughs> <laughs> Already been cast productions. Uh, hello. <laughs> so I don't even know how they even started, but me and Bly would call each other randomly yeah. and say, you've been- And not you pick are up. Remember, if I saw you calling, I wouldn't pick up. And if you saw me calling, <laughs> you wouldn't pick up because it was about the voicemail. Right. And we would make up some convoluted, already been cast, and why you've been cast. And it was all ridiculous. But now it might, I mean, in today's world, I think those messages probably would have made sense. I, I mean, I actually think I'm going to try to find them on my phone and see if I can turn them into some sort of found piece of theater. Well, I mean, you never know when someone's going to ask for an up-tempo ballad <laughs> comedy drama monologue. I remember one of my other favorites was you called me one time and you go, um, you've been cast, you've already been cast in the production at Main Street Bay Theater in, um, in Cats. And you're actually not playing a cat, you're playing a dog, and it's a new experience, and people are going to be scared, but you're going to, like, it was like something like that. It was like so ridiculous, and I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, this is right. This is oh, all right. gosh, that's crazy. Now, I want to know, what is your currently, what is your favorite go-to spot in Memphis? Okay. Trader Joe's. Honestly, thank you for the extra time because I made some bold fucking choices today at Trader Joe's. Uh, so fun fact, um, and Stephen, I know you understand this because yeah. you still love the weather, I can only assume. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was an ice storm in Memphis on Thursday. Uh, one would assume that we could figure out the ice storm, the power outages within 24 to 48 hours, right? You know, in a large metropolitan area. Um, what we have found in the great state of Tennessee is that we are not, we have no infrastructure infrastructure for um, uh, questionable and surprise weather situations. Um, so ice in Memphis is just not something we're ready for. And so, uh, the ice storm happened on Thursday, so it canceled my show and then it happened on Friday and it canceled the show. And then the ice was done by the way, but somehow because of all of the outages and the fact that the theater had no power, we didn't have the show on Saturday and also Sunday. And then, um, also on Saturday night and Sunday and up until today, we had no power at my guest house, so all of my food went bad. In so I did one of those really fun, impulsive things where I drove to the Trader Joe's in Germantown, which is 25 minutes away, and I um, shopped like a hungry person, if mm. anyone's ever done that. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, I'm just going to simply say that my bag had about seven to ten uh, wheels of brie. <laughs> <laughs> you need a good brie wheel or two. But maybe not seven. <laughs> well, you don't know if the infrastructure is going to go out. That's what I'm saying. Maddie, I was like, maybe I'll just grab all the brie in case shit hits the fan and I'll just have a brie party if this happens again. Uh, oh, 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 you know what else? I've really fallen in love with the farmer's market uh, in Memphis because there's this one sexy ass man named James who is my meat guy. Oh, and, uh, yes, James meat guy. I mean, listen, he has children. He's married or like whatever. I don't even care. I know I'm married to it. doesn't matter. Um, and James, the meat guy, saves chorizo for me, just for me. Yes, hook up And today... When the power went back on, the first fucking thing I did was check the freezer to see if the chorizo in the freezer was a-okay. Because I was like, I can't let James down. He saved that chorizo for me. Right. I cannot do this. But how do you know if meat's gone bad? This is a real question. Like if it's frozen. My biggest thing about anything is, is A, how it looks and B, how it smells. But you can't smell it if it's quasi-frozen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I would say if it's still frozen, there's your answer. Then there's your answer. It's in good shape. Okay, fine. Yeah, unless it's been frozen for like, you know, three years. No. Then it might taste like it's been frozen. No, everything I, I think, um, God, now I don't know. You know, you think you know somebody, but then you find out James has ugh, children or whatever, and you don't know him anymore. But do you think that if it, oh, so today I opened the fridge, the treats looked okay. The jalapeno brats looked fine. The ribeye looked questionable. Do I throw the ribeye out? Um, I I wouldn't if it was all if it was all still frozen. I mean, how was the ribeye wrapped? In uh, in like uh, when they do the like thing where they like seal it with um, they take all the air out. It's on the plastic. Oh yeah, yeah, it should be fine. You think? Yeah. Okay. I mean, we saw an episode on like I think Netflix about eating cricket, so. <laughs> Okay, fine. All right, I'm gonna try it. What was his okay. name, Jonathan? Van Ness, yeah. Wave of the future, insects. Wait. Are you there? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I just I only heard for a minute Ryan say future insects, and I was like, is there more? He said wave of the future insects. Like that's oh my what god, I thought you said future insects, and I was like, yes, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, the wave of the future is us getting you know, just little pills of things in the mail that is designed just for our body. I was just going to ask, do you, okay, so question. If you've gotten really interested in cooking over the pandemic, do you think you could give it up if science said, we're going to give you a pill and there's going to be some mushrooms in it. So mazel, you're going to feel love and light and feel really good about your life and your health and happiness, but you're going to take a pill every day instead of food. Would you do it? I could totally do it. I would just have to move. Where, where would you move? Like next door. <laughs> oh, you do it by yourself. Is there what do you mean? I would totally take the pill. I would too. do that too. You would take the pill. Would you really? Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. If, if we can take the pill together, yeah, then I would do it. But I could not take the pill and watch a frozen pizza being cooked. I understand. So you couldn't have food around, is what you're saying. I mean, it's ridiculous when you think to yourself, "I'm going to have a slim fast, maybe just a half a glass of shard." And all of a no. sudden, someone fills up your shard and, and you smell a cooking pizza in the freezer. And you think, well, you know what? I had a slim fast. I can eat half of this pizza. I, 
I feel like indicted. About what? Pizza. I think the ideal, I think the ideal with the pill would be you would feel full as well. So you'd get all of your nutrients and feel full, then there would be no need for food. That's that's the idea. Yeah. yeah. Like a, a pizza pill. I could do a pizza pill. <laughs> Wait, so should we should we patent that right now? <laughs> I think it's I think it's already been cast productions. Oh, that actually isn't already been <laughs> Well, haven't you seen the new thing? I think it's a, it's not it's not an app, but there's a new thing that you wear in your body that basically can immediately tell you what you should or should not eat based on your metabolism at that moment. No, I would prefer to not ever wear that ever. Like, yeah, no, there's a new thing that you wear that's like okay, right now you can have this. Like, here's a question: um, Do you feel that people have gotten hyper fixated out? food in an unhealthy way over the pandemic because they just had the time to do it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, eat, whether you're overeating, overanalyzing, I mean, the pandemic was about so much excess, excess of like... Well, I feel like everyone is stuck in a library room with a million different library books, except for Texas. Right, the ones that are banned, right? <laughs> Actually, and Tennessee, because we've we've banned some books while I've been here. Oh, oh good. God. So your work yeah. is, well, is, is good. Well, I'm going to mail them to you. Thank you so and much. And you can pass them out at the Memphis Traders. Thank I'm yeah, pretty sure the Barbara it. Payton book is banned in Tennessee and Texas. It's, oh, it absolutely is. And also any book that has anything to do with the Holocaust, because apparently we are pushing that on children. So and also, Bly, we don't have money for a choreographer. So in the one chapter where she sort of gets crazy during the... Um, oh, tell this story. During it's worth the, it. No, she gets crazy during the um, water spout over water in Mexico and she really wants to have sex really bad because yeah. it's making her kind of angry and sad and excited. Yeah, I get that. And her husband wouldn't have sex with her so she got mad and ripped off all of her clothes and ran out in the storm. He drug her back inside. Half the town got killed from the storm and he threw a blanket on her and she knew at that moment that it was over so she <gasps> packed her bags and went back to Hollywood. Oh, but Wait, what I'm can saying I, can is, I you, at least do the first reading of this. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just but, saying, I don't. I think that you also might have to be ready to either be take full choreography credit or at <sighs> least have these. Well, is it okay if there's a lot of box steps? Oh yeah, yeah, oh. totally. I mean, we'll, we, we'll be because well, she's boxed in. Oh yes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Totally. Oh, for the it's so a maybe metaphor. Wait a minute. Has there been has there been a stage production where there's only box steps? That's choreography. <laughs> I think it's you know what, Maddie, that's basically what night music is, right? Everything's in three, four and it's a conscientious choice. Maybe there's a show where everything choreography wise is a box step and people figure it out. So it has to be in four four because there's four steps. Correct. Well, wait a minute. Correct. A long a couple years ago, <laughs> there was a, a theater company in Signature called No Rules. Maybe this theater company is called Rules. Lots of rules. Lots Lot, of rules. Too many rules. Additional also rules. Yeah. <laughs> Produced by already been cast. Um, yes. How long are you going to be in Memphis? Uh, too long. Um, <laughs> I have been here since December 5th. And I, will ah! be, and I will leave February 20th. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then this show, this is like the developmental production. And then the show transfers to... Um, Nashville, which is our commercial production, um, before the plan is to tour. 
Um, so we're going to Nashville for May and June of this year. That's exciting. It's cool. Yeah. Um, it's how, cool. Did you, how did you enjoy uh, touring with the bands visit ba- the boys in the band, the last band, the band, <laughs> the band that never quit. Yeah. All of those. Was things. it the band's visit? Yeah. Yeah. It was the band's visit. How did, how did you like touring? Uh, I didn't really like it. Uh, no, that's not true. I liked a lot about it. Um, there were moments where I was like, oh, this is not the worst thing in the world because you get to see the country and you get to figure out like, you know, this is a place I would love to live and this is a place I would not love to live or this is a place that I like the people and the music and the uh, food and this is a place I do not like the people and the music and the food, but I love the, you know, topography or whatever it is. Um, uh, I will say one of the difficult things about being on a tour is that you're constantly asked to reinvent yourself in a new place. And that I was not as good at as I thought I would be. Um, I, I realized that I like my stuff and I, you know what I mean? Like I liked my place and I liked my work and I liked my job and I liked knowing that things were happening on a routine. And then all of a sudden, like tour just doesn't let you do that. You know, it's like, and, and then and what I realized halfway through was like, you just have to go with tour. Like it's, it is its own beast and you just, you, you go along with it. Um, which was a freeing thought. Um, and I don't know if I did it a hundred percent right because I don't know, I figured some other weird shit about myself on tour, which is stuff like, I think I'm like low key OCD and like definitely, as I said earlier, like ADHD and those are things that definitely come into conflict with the idea of constantly moving and evolving and doing your job where you need it to be done. Um, It's a weird thing when people are doing it better than you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like sometimes people were really thriving on tour and I couldn't quite understand it (laughs) because I wasn't. (laughs) Right. Ryan, you have a question? It was just about Memphis, actually. Had you been to Memphis before? No, never. And actually, I was supposed to come for uh, a junket for this uh, show. We were supposed to come to Memphis and do, like, a press thing. And then we are supposed to go to Nashville and do a press thing. And both of those things were canceled for COVID. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Is there a big music scene down there, like, as far as, like, live? Yes, but COVID has it feels like COVID has put a damper on a lot of it. Oh, okay. Because here's the thing, like the creative people in Memphis, and actually even said this, I've been told the same thing about Nashville too, is like the creative people are the most aware of COVID and being conscientious about protocol. And that's necessarily an understood for the collective whole, if that makes any sense. For the tourists and the residents. Exactly, yeah. Are you and Palm still living in New York? Yes, we live on the Upper West Side. Um, you know, if it had, if I, if I had had my druthers, I would have made sure that we stayed on in Harlem. Um, but Palm really wanted more trees. Although I felt very connected to the water in Harlem, and we were so close to the river. Um, but we moved, and now we are at 103rd between Broadway and Amsterdam. Um, so we're kind of like smack dab between Riverside Park and Central Park. And really, at the end of the day, whatever we care and want is inconsequential because Karen, our dog, 
who I told Steven the other day, I think I told you this, um, is happy. And you guys, I need to just like pivot for a quick minute. The two of you, um, Ryan, I'm including you now too. Um, I had never really understood being a dog owner and having that experience. And I get it. Like, thank you. Because you guys were a very important, like, <clears throat> memory for me to realize that, like, that, like, at the end of the day, it's um, a really cool thing to take care of an animal. And um, I didn't know that I would love it so much, but I love it so much. I mean, I can't believe you named your dog Karen. No, I didn't really name her that. Like her, like her original name uh, in Puerto Rico was Mushi, and then when she when she got to like you know she, they do this like what they call a freedom flight, <laughs> and uh, they take her from Puerto Rico and they bring her to like the tri-state area like New York, New Jersey, and um, she was like kind of renamed I can't remember what it was, but it was like something close to Karen. And so then when I got her, I was like she's had two different names in the last like six months of her life and she's never been named anything before. I was like, I'm just going to lean in. This, this dog has had two litters of puppies. Her name is Karen. She's a grown ass woman. Little did I know that Karen would now have a new connotation. <laughs> Come on, Karen. <laughs> well, Karen is also like the type of dog that Toto was. So it's sort of like an homage yes. to door uh, to Judy Garland. Oh, is it really like a light homage you think? I think so. And also, you know what, during COVID, and, and Ryan will laugh when we get off the air, but when me and Steven were alone for um, a while, well, we, we've, we've never been together like this ever. No. Yeah. But um, if it wouldn't have been for our two lovable pugs who just want to be with us, I mean, yeah. there were times, Bly, that I, I was know. teaching private piano in zoom but yeah. i had pulled the love seat up to the piano and i had like a baby large starbucks beside me yeah two pugs and i'm teaching the piano and i'm thinking i don't think i want the pandemic to leave <laughs> yeah you were like this seems actually really nice yeah i'm okay i've got pancakes i've got a husband two dogs yeah. and a job yeah and and I'm, I'm happy because i'm doing this thing that i love and i'm doing it on my own terms for maybe the first time ever yeah right? yeah yeah. But isn't Karen, doesn't she, isn't her full name, her AKC full name, Karen from HR? Yes, her name was Karen from HR. How, so what's the deal with the, was it she was a rescue from the Puerto Rican hurricane? Yes, she was in the hurricane. Um, what we've been told from the, uh, from the rescue group that we got her from, uh, the Seto Project, which I love, they're so awesome. Um, they basically said they found her during the eye of the hurricane. Do not start the Lin-Manuel right now. Please do not. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but, but they found her during the eye and she had had six puppies and all of them died except for one. Oh. So it sounds like what this is like a, a dog foundation. Um... Rescue dogs in Puerto Rico. Um, Karen is from like an area of Puerto Rico that like, I can't remember the translation of the name of the beach, but the, the translation in uh, English is dead dog beach. So people shoot at dogs a lot for like target practice. And that's kind of the area that Karen was rescued from. Um, and that's the area around, uh, pr predominantly around where this group, the Seto Project works. What kind of dog dogs. is she? Oh my God, Maddie, our, um, our like paperwork when we got her, it literally said age and it was like two question mark. And then it said five question mark. 
so we have no idea. And what kind, what kind of dog is she? We did do our DNA test because we're horrible um, white people. And um, <laughs> her, her DNA is 65% uh, pit bull, Staffordshire pit. And uh, then it's 25% chow chow. And then 12% German shepherd. And then the rest is like question mark. See, I think that you could, you and um, your beautiful husband could pen uh, like a short 40 page children's book with pictures of this dog that is rescued from Puerto Rico with all of the wonderful highs and lows of the dog's journey to your house. And it all, all the money goes to the foundation, except for like the first, you know, 100. But 000. the last line of the book. <laughs> yeah, like that gets be, us. Okay. What's that? What? The last line of the book has to be from the point of view of the dog saying, but I really wish they wouldn't have named me Karen. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. She should be angry about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, like I have a little voice for her and I always say like, you know, my, my Karen voice is like, oh my God, I can't really imagine any other life but this beautiful experience that you guys have really given me like I'm so grateful for all of your time like she's a little it's a little like uh affectation like um oh my god what's like little Edie like that kind of thing you know like yeah style yeah um but also she's she's also like a little 12 year old boy who like has a deviated septum it's like both at the same time <laughs> you know I love that <laughs> she's she is also the most spoiled dog in the entire world in the entire world well by I know I see that the time is at 47 minutes we like to always sort of like be under an hour -ish. I love that but I just want you've, you've always inspired me from afar uh, as someone who's watched someone completely always being um somewhat adaptable and changing and finding you were you've always been bly in every situation you've never ever been even in the chorus or in the lead or whatever you've always maintained almost like a one word name that's bly and i want to know how you have navigated sort of believing in yourself through all of the changes you've gone through from, you know, thinking that you were going to do this to, well, I got this. And now you're in New York, you have a dog, you've been on tour, you're in Memphis, blah, blah, blah. How do you, how do you maintain um, your truth and belief in yourself sometimes when, uh, um, you're, yeah. That's a, that is a, sorry, I, I wildly cut you off and I apologize. Um, <laughs> I just choked on my T-bone. <laughs> Well, I'll send you a ribeye from my freezer that might may or may not be good. Um, uh, I think that uh, I don't I don't really think very highly of myself on a day to day basis. I'm riddled with anxiety and stress, and um, if I'm doing a good job or not at, at all the time. I will say the one thing that I um, think about a lot and it's a grounding force for myself when I am worried about stuff is there's like, I know, I know y'all know about it. This, there's this Barbara Cook, uh, uh, Barbara Cook sings mostly Sondheim concert 
and she recorded the entire thing and it's all like, you know, obviously it's been edited, but there's like bits where you can hear things and, you know, bits where she introduces songs and they, they included a bit in front of one of the songs that she sang and she quotes Sondheim as saying this to her. And I don't know if it's true or not. And I hope it is because I've lived for the last 10 ish years, but she says that, uh, she asked Sondheim about a show that he was producing or writing or composing and didn't know if it was going to be a hit or not. And, and, um, and she, she quotes herself as saying, this is such a huge risk. And then his response is risk. I don't think about risk. I do the next thing. And that is what I have tried to hone in on every time I'm worried about what I'm doing next is like, I don't think about risk. I do the next thing. And it's probably stupid or asinine or ignorant or simple, but that's what I, that's what I think about. <laughs> well, I love that because it seems to me that that's what I've always seen in you is the next thing. Just trying. Next yeah. thing, next thing, baby. Anything that pays that healthcare, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss your laugh. It's so good I to hear. I miss you guys like really really fun thank you so much oh my god we're so glad you joined us and don't be a stranger you got my number do you want Come people on. to follow your gram or your book or yes, your but i mean whatever follow me on instagram at i'm at bly adeline because that's my middle name and i didn't understand in the early aughts when people were making instagrams that you should do like your first and your last name so people should find you and i'm just not going to change it because like it i am who i am um and uh also like just, I would just implore everybody, if you're listening right now and you love Stephen and Matt and Ryan and maybe me, go see some fucking live theater. Like, go see things that, like, maybe you wouldn't do um, or maybe you feel, like, a little scared to do because, like, pandemic shit. Like, just go out and see things that matter to you and, like, I don't know, support other, like, arts-based companies and people who are, like, making shit and just know that everybody's out here um, – trying to be happy and make things and do the next thing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, Bly. Well, thank you so much. We love you. I love you guys. Best luck with the show. Going to Nashville from Memphis to New York <laughs> to Georgia. Maybe McLean. Honestly, it, it, oh my God. You know how happy my mother would be? It would be the greatest day of her life. <laughs> so did you said today was your mom's birthday? Today was my ma's birthday. Yeah, Carrie Voth. Today. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, mm. dear Carrie. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday to you. Carrie, we love you. We love that you had Bly. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution to Memphis. Come on. Thank you for your y'all's contribution. Like, seriously, this was so fun. And I'm so glad I got to think talk about things that I care about and what's going on in my life and like i just love you guys ryan we, i'm including you okay ryan i oh, also well, love thank you. you so much and we yeah. can't wait to see post of uh brie sandwiches i love you we'll talk to you soon i love you bye bye, bye. Oh, Bly, so much fun. So great to, to catch up with you. Um, 
We miss you. We absolutely do. And uh, can't wait till you're back in the Virginia area. Maybe sometime soon we can get some French fries, you know, or maybe some breakfast. Uh, wait, wait, we never discussed Bly's uh, restaurant idea. Her restaurant idea was... John want breakfast? John want breakfast? That's D apostrophe Y-A-L-L. John want breakfast? Um... Yeah, we had a lot of business ideas, some of which I won't go into, but that was probably the most profitable um, that we never quite got to. But there's always the future. Yeah, and we are, we're still working on that. I think at some point, <clears throat> Bly is probably going to call us and we are going to be ready to uh, cut the ribbon at um, Jaw One Breakfast. Breakfast. With our prized dish, Eggs Over Easy. Absolutely. If you want to know more about us, please follow us at www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an E-R. You can find us on Facebook and TikTok under Connor and Smith again with an E-R. Please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It really helps us out. Share it with your friends. Pass it along. Put it in an envelope. Mail it to You Can't Mail a Podcast. Anyway. Uh, thank you for uh, listening. We are very appreciative, and we will uh, see you tomorrow. Good night, everybody. Good night.